We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Uh, I'm still speechless, man. I uh, This is what happens when you record a podcast 20 minutes after uh, a football game. <laughs> so uh, the Chargers escape with possibly the luckiest break of my entire life as a Chargers fan uh, and get a win today in uh, in Cleveland. So they, bo- they beat the Browns 30 to 28. Shit, hello, as I knock my microphone over. Um, there we go. That should be good now. Okay, so live TV. It's it's a mess so far. Like I, I'm I'm sh- I'm shook, man. But uh, joining me today are my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing right now? Uh, what a whirlwind of a day. Uh, I I don't know. I still haven't processed anything that happened. I'm sure we'll process it all out here. But uh, got the win. Um, hell of a road to how we got there. Yes, that's uh, that's a great way to uh, to put that. Uh, Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing great. The Chargers won, so that's that's really awesome. But like you said, I am still processing that that was a win, considering the last two and a half minutes of that game. Would not have guessed that they would have won. But like I said, you know, God's not a Chargers fan, but he fucking hates the Browns. So I'm <laughs> very happy that he sent the locust today and everything to get a win for the Chargers. Oh, I mean, we got we had all of the the midges, I think is what they're called. Um, we yeah. had, you know, a, just a rushing explosion from both teams on the ground. So um, we're going to get into eventually some a lot of the positives, because I think there are a lot of positive takeaways from today. Um, Absolutely. But of course, we have to start with 
that final sequence and really just the Chargers again getting the biggest bailout of of my lifetime as a fan uh which is saying a lot and I think that would also include uh my fandom as a Utah Ute uh I, I cannot recall getting that fortunate of a break in any game I've ever witnessed for either of my teams um so obviously the Chargers get the interception from Jacoby Brissett Alohi Gilman of all people which is another <laughs> layer to all of this that we have to talk about because Nasir yes. Adderley, I don't think, played a single snap today. Um, so Chargers get the interception. They need two first downs. Um, they get the one first down with a beautiful play design to Mike Williams, stays in bounds. Um, you need that second first down after the two-minute warning. Um, Alex, where was your head at, at the, after the two-minute warning, and what kind of process did you go through uh, for those last two or three plays on offense and then on defense, of course, yeah. after that. Well, the the Jacoby Brissett thing was so weird. I mean, Alohi Gilman being the one who gets the interception on the day and Adderley's bench is crazy. Um, but it, it looked like, at the very least, even if he didn't pick up the first down, he could have gotten a couple yards yeah. and, like, continued mm-hmm. to, to, you know, just continue the drive uh, if he just uh, ran. And so I was really confused why you threw that ball fortunate he threw that ball i guess um then there was like the whole five minutes in real time of everyone yelling at mike williams to get out of bounds (laughs) um and then he he did it correctly on one and then like kind of one hand catched it and then went out of bounds on the other one he was pushed out uh and yeah the the fourth and two decision and you know obviously as as soon as uh as soon as it happened and the Chargers didn't convert then of course ben baldwin and everyone's replying to me with that um i i can't get down with that decision no matter what context it's in particularly because it was a two-point game if it's a three-point game i feel like you could at least say hey the browns are gonna you know the worst case scenario is they tie it and send it to overtime right but it being a two-point game and the risk associated with that versus at the worst if jk scott shanks a punt it's you know 25 yards more that they have to drive with no timeouts right um so i just didn't understand the risk assessment there especially with the jacoby Brissett that wasn't really like pushing the ball downfield all day right if it's deshaun watson in the game maybe that adds something to your decision making as well um but yeah can't get down with that decision but of course the chargers get bailed out by another team who missed a field goal um so i you know i guess that's karma for you know all the years of it happening to us uh maybe the tectonic plates needed to be shifted back (laughs) but someone finally missed a field goal against us and it it felt it felt good uh so i mean definitely i think staley got bailed out um did not think that this was staley or lombardi's finest game uh by any means but they got the win, and I guess that's what matters. Uh, I, I would not call for Staley's head like people are saying in the completely rational uh, 20 minutes after the game <laughs> chat. Uh, but definitely some questions that I'm sure will be asked of him whenever the media availability happens. Yeah, I can't wait to see that one. Boy, the end of this game, the Browns go 73 yards in almost seven minutes. And then they throw an interception to us, us just standing there, Alohi Gilman. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, so I'm elated because it feels like the Chargers can make it work. And then they run that great call to Mike Williams. And, you know, they're moving down the field. It's like, okay, you know, forcing the Browns to burn the timeouts. I mean, and that really was the difference. Like that particular play, 
and how far it might have moved them and the timeouts that they burned. That ended up being the difference. But man, that missed field goal. Or the, well, we'll go with the decision. First, let's, let's talk about Keenan Allen. Uh, I do have to bring it up <laughs> because I've never seen, well, Keenan's usually in the game. But yeah, yeah. after they go for it, Keenan Allen tweeting, what the uh, what the fuck are we doing? WTF, <laughs> but you know, uh, so glad he missed that because man, man, man. I mean, I got a message after the game that said Cade York just saved everyone's jobs. And that's really true. Like Cade York. Now, 54 yards is not an easy field goal with Locust yeah. flying around. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not <laughs> like they got bailed out by a 27 yard miss, but. Man, the Chargers really, really were fortunate there. Good for the defense, I guess, for moving them backwards, I believe, a little mm -hmm. bit on one particular player, whatever it was, or yeah. just holding them enough where it wasn't too bad. But man, I, um, so Arjun pointed out that the decision to go for it on fourth and one and fourth and two was very different. Fourth and one was an 11%, something like that. Win probability increase if you go for it. Um, fourth and two was about six and a half percent which is still a strong go for it, but there is a difference there. So I think when you see the numbers on Twitter, it's kind of like a, was it really a fourth and one, fourth and two, one and a half, whatever. I don't know, man. To me, just reading that, you, you're you saying that, and it, I guess it is true, Justin Herbert's your best player. You're trying to put the ball in your best player's hands and get it to your best offensive player. That's you know debatable right now, but that in that moment was Mike Williams. I get that, but I'm also kind of reading that as, I'm a defensive-minded head coach who has no fucking answers for the Cleveland Browns right now, and I'd rather my offense go out there and figure it out than my defense get. Honestly, I expected like if if they punted it and the Browns got the ball back, yeah, I honestly would have expected the Browns to march down the field and get a field goal or miss the you know 54 yard or whatever. Um, you know, I, I get you know trusting you the numbers, and I, and I sort of get giving you know Justin Herbert like we would want to see that, I guess, but. I, just overall looking at it even taking that into consideration i i don't agree with it uh and it's a shame that you couldn't even trust your defense that you've spent so much money on as a defensive guru head coach bringing your guys you couldn't even trust them to hold jacoby Brissett from getting a field goal now or maybe they also just didn't trust jk scott i don't know but um <laughs> yeah a, a lot in there for sure but my my, my reaction is basically the same the chargers basically um, even though it was a 50 yard four yarder got bailed out oh sorry i think i must have got cut out there for a second um but and so like tyler was saying i think we're generally a, a pro analytics podcast here on this show sure um but that decision man I, I think for me like the way that this was handled you know from the whole game perspective is that staley was pretty conservative on fourth downs as he kind of has been uh you know throughout the season they went for it early in the first half um but you know he he took field goals he took punts whenever he was you know given the opportunity and then to say oh like this is just like last year we're just gonna trust our offense because we don't trust our defense to me that was that was quite an indictment and also like the third down play call before that was like okay like to me the third down play call indicates that they were going to punt that it, we're going to try this run. If it works, mm -hmm. great. If it doesn't, we're just going to punt and we're going to, you know, play for the uh, play for the defensive side of things. So um, I I didn't like the way that that was executed at all. I, I cannot stand shotgun runs on money down situations. Um, and Bert, Joe Lombardi, for the most part, I thought called a pretty good game outside mm -hmm. of three or four calls here or there. Um, 
but calling a shot a shotgun run late in yeah. the game when the Browns know you have to run the ball, they know what's coming. And, you know, you're in an 11 personnel look and you do a shotgun uh, kind of delayed handoff, I think was really, really bad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, like I said, that indicated that they were going to punt after that. If they didn't get the, didn't get the conversion. So um, I didn't love that. The play call on fourth down was fine. I think you trust Justin and Mike Williams to make a play. Mike had been uh, really, really good uh, today. Um, very different game than last week. A lot of more, a lot more jump balls today, but um, I, I just am in shock, man, that the, you trusted your defense, like either that little or that much, depending on how you want to look at that situation. Cause the Browns needed 10 yards to get like a comfortable field goal. And luckily, like Tyler said, you know, they didn't really do that. So, um, I mean, Cade York missing two field goals. He was perfect heading into today he was eight for eight on field goal attempts heading into today and he missed two kicks today so that was the most fortunate uh chargers break that i have ever seen like i said and again we'll get into a lot of the positive takeaways but i i do not support the decision making down the stretch that the chargers coaching staff uh exhibited on the field in cleveland today yeah, and I, th- I think Steven put it perfectly right. There's there's a difference between being like a pro analytics podcast, like he said, and agreeing with everything the analytics says, right? Because yeah. analytics at the end <laughs> right. of the day are are supposed to be a tool, right, that you use to make decisions. But it's not like, oh, well, everything that the Ben Baldwin bot says on Twitter is what we do, right? So, I mean, there are situations where you have to account for who's the quarterback on the other side of the field. What right. is our defense? Like Staley has, you know, uh, alluded to in the past. Um, speaking of Mike Williams, like Steven said, I think that the NFL should fucking apologize to him yes. for yeah, taking that touchdown like, off oh the board. God. He had two toes down. I don't give a fuck about his heel. He was inbounds, and that should have been a touchdown. Austin Eckler luckily kind of saves it, but <laughs> man, I was I never complained about the refs and I was losing my shit. <laughs> I don't understand the difference. Like me, you me can neither. go to the sideline and like drag your toes going forward. But if you're falling backwards, like your heel also has the to touch and downs. That doesn't make yeah, any sense I, to me. I don't get that at all. Michael Peterson pointed out someone was telling him that it's because he was going backwards. But that's so yeah. that's so stupid. I, I don't understand why that. Like if you if you catch that on your toes and then your heels touch, it's not one. But if you catch that on your toes and twirl and fall forward, that's a touchdown. I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, again, thankfully, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I, that was a great catch that he absolutely should have been given credit for i won't i'll give him credit for that honestly watching film that will be a a a great play for him i will grade him highly on that one because that's a touchdown to me yeah absolutely so um any other takeaways guys on the uh, end of game sequence here no they won so you know let's move on (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely so uh like i said a lot of positive things to take away there's obviously some other negatives besides the end of game sequence but for me the story of the day I think we successfully bullied uh, Sony Michelle out of the rotation uh, <laughs> based off of what happened today. I mean, our guy Xander Horvath had two carries and one target, and that's more than Sony Michelle had today. Mm. So um, in all seriousness, kidding aside, I thought the Chargers rushing offense today was so, so good. And, you know, the uh, broadcast did a great job um, talking about the kind of runs that they were doing as a lot of man gap power Mm -hmm. scheme kind of uh rushing attempt today so austin eckler had a fantastic game joshua kelly looked just powerful crisp Mm -hmm. explosive efficient as he has been so 
Um, I thought heading into this game that they needed to feed the rushing attack, and mm-hmm. they did. And I think Joe Lombardi deserves credit for the game plan overall. Absolutely. Again, I think there were definitely some calls that I strongly disagree with, like a fullback dive on <laughs> third and two and a half, um, yeah. and then that shotgun run. But for the most part, man, the Chargers rushing attack looked night and day from what we've seen over the past few weeks. Lombardi deserves credit. The running backs deserve credit. And the offensive line deserves a lot of credit. It was a lot of Zion and Trey Pipkins, which is a whole other thing we have to talk about as well. Um, <sighs> but the Chargers rushing offense to me was was the positive story of the day for sure. Yeah, um, definitely think their ground game was the big story. Uh, I think we have to declare that Arjun is now washed uh, as, a <laughs> of, as a result of Austin Eckler making a trip. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I, I was just happy to see Peak Eckler back. I will, I will mm-hmm. say the beginning of that game where he has that seventy-one yard run, and then they just have three straight like, <laughs> plays right after that. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. great, because I was watching the game on delay. I'm like, well, I know they don't score on this one, so. <laughs> but uh, what a performance by Austin Eckler! I mean, we sort of saw a little bit of it last week against Houston, but this definitely looked like that 2021 Austin Eckler performance where he really puts it all together. And like mm-hmm. Steven said, trusting Joshua Kelly when all the numbers say that he is the second best back on the team mm-hmm. uh, and everything says that he's arguably the best runner on the team. Um, I mean, I think that that just was a really great decision. <laughs> and I, I honestly did think on that last drive where the Chargers got the ball back. Uh, <laughs> after the I, know what you're say. I was like, here's here's 10. Here's four, three yep. straight Tony <laughs> Michelle runs. Right yeah, he's well rested. But yep. uh, Bra- yep. Brandon Staley and then Joe Lombardi resisted the temptation uh, to put uh, Sonny Michelle in. So I definitely just think from a personnel perspective all day on offense, it was about as good as you asked for, for all of the personnel problems that maybe we've had throughout the season. Um, <laughs> thank God Trey Pipkins was able to come back into the game yeah. um, because I could have not taken two halves of the store or three quarters of Storm Gordon. Um, but yeah, thankful that he was able to come back and overall just a very optimal day for offensive player usage and, and all the things that maybe we have been complaining about over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Really quickly before Tyler jumps back in. So Eckler goes 16 for 173 and one on the ground. Um, Joshua Kelly goes 10 for 49 and one on the ground. I believe there were at least five explosive runs, uh, total from today which again is way more than they had in the first three weeks um and i think the rushing yards over expectation will be very good for uh both mm-hmm. of those guys as well yeah if there's ever a day to get the ground game going it felt like this one especially if we had to watch him storm norton thankfully we didn't but real credit to everyone credit to the line credit to the backs credit to jill lombardi uh i mean herbert handed it off i guess he had a run for a first down yeah. today that was awesome. There was also one where he lost one, and there's another one where he <laughs> died, dove early. But you know what? We'll, we'll talk about that because we won today. Um, the run game got going. And, and again, my biggest thing with Lombardi was the execution on offense. It wasn't the play calling. It was the fact that you have those calls and nobody can execute. It felt yeah. like today people were. And it seemed like, you know, I don't know, watching this one time through, that Matt Filer had a really solid game. And that's something that we couldn't have said last week or maybe several weeks. I don't know how it looked in pass protection, but it felt like overall Herbert was mostly kept clean. The rushing attack was was clearly very, very good today. And they were able to run left when they needed to. And of course, they ran right and had the wide open touchdowns as well. Um, and running right does seem to be the best side for them. But still, it felt like a, a pretty solid game overall for Matt Filer, who we've been kind of 
you know, highlighting as a negative and a disappointment so far looked mm-hmm. really, really solid. Like the offense to go on the road, score 30 again, no Keenan Allen. Um, Miles Garrett comes back. Jadavion Clowney comes back. The Browns with all that talent. And for the most part, the Chargers outside of, you know, I think it was a false start penalty pulling Parham off the field and, you know, they get five yards backwards. They can't score outside of Palmer. You know, if Palmer catches that pass for a first down that gets them off like the one or two yard line, you know, we're looking at even more today. So the Chargers be able to still put up 30 today was what mm. was really, really encouraging. And I think the Chargers are starting to find their stride at this point. It like it's so obvious that it what Kelly needed to get more snaps, but now it's so obvious that this is your starting duo by a million miles, and this has to be what you do moving forward. There was just like sure, Sony Michelle probably would have had a, a decent day, like one of his better days today, because I think the blocking was pretty solid overall. But Joshua yeah. Kelly, as a receiver, as a runner, just got two more yards, three more yards than he had any right, you know, to get because he was beating somebody else for just a bit more. Yeah, Eckler Kelly, make that your starting duo the rest of the way. It feels like um, Eckler Jackson last year when they finally got that to click for them. Yeah, your rushing attack is working. Whatever you're calling, whatever it is, the last two weeks, it's working. Those are your best two backs. Herbert's now looking more comfortable. I think he's, you know, uh, he's slowly going to get to a point where he can also run himself. This is it. If the Chargers can figure out how to run the football and Herbert can move more, and you stick with those two backs. That is huge, huge, huge for this team. And their schedule the next couple of weeks isn't all that bad. Yeah, and uh, you know, to your point and to Marquise's point here in the chat, um, Donald Parham definitely made a difference today. It, it, he, you know, I'm going to confirm this on the film, but there were two or three times where you know the Chargers ran either a toss concept or a counter concept. And when you want to do those kind of runs, you have to have a tight end at the point of attack on the edge able to uh handle their business and handle those assignments so i thought donald parham and gerald everett uh had some really good blocks today um i can't recall a whole lot of trey mckitty i'm I'm curious to see the snap counts there um but i thought overall the run blocking and the pass blocking today was fantastic you know holden pointed this out earlier um zero sacks for miles garrett and jay david clowney zero um and i think they only hit justin herbert like two or three times uh looks like alex is back too so um, I thought the offensive line generally played fantastic. Lombardi and um, the coaching staff deserve a lot of credit for their overall game plan and keeping mm-hmm. Justin Herbert clean. Justin Herbert obviously deserves a lot of credit. His pocket management today was so, so good. And you can really tell that he's feeling much more comfortable physically. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the offensive line uh, deserves a lot of credit as well. So, um, Alex, welcome back. Um, what did you make of the offensive line's performance today, man? Uh, do we have any final numbers on Jamari Salier yet, uh, or really anyone? Arjun, you're no uh, longer washed. Can you tell us? Ar- Arjun, please <laughs> tell us in the chat. Um, no, I mean, I Arjun said he sent pressure numbers on Twitter, so I'll go look at that. Okay, right yeah, if you want to check those, but I thought Jamari played really great all day, as much as you can ask him to. Um, and for them to kind of survive the few Storm Norton steps that they had to go through, Trey Pipkins was really great. Um, I wouldn't imagine that the filer pressures were high or at least it didn't seem that way watching the game no so official numbers well not official official but uh first watch numbers jamari saw your six pressures Hmm. zero hits zero sacks though so i mean you'll you'll take that against miles garrett 100 uh trey pipkins two pressures 
Storm Norton, one pressure, and then Lindsley, Filer, one pressure each, and then Zion Johnson, zero pressures today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you get six pressures, like none of them really led to much, it felt like, on Justin Herbert, um, or at least maybe he threw the ball away in a couple of those. Um, but uh, to me, anything, I think I said before the game, anything that was around five pressures or fewer for Salier was kind of a win for me. I mean, in his second game being against Miles Garrett uh, and a force like that, I, I think that that's a huge uh huge win for him there and then obviously everyone else on the offensive line just sort of did their jobs today uh and that's Mm -hmm. i think the most you can ask in you know obviously this very long stretch of the season where they'll be out with they'll be without Rashawn slater because i think if you just ask all of us a month ago hey jamari salier and you know trey pipkins and some and some little bit of storm norton is going to be the chargers starting tackles against the browns we would have all said that the browns won 42 to 28 right like or 42 to i don't even think i would have i don't think i would have felt comfortable with 28 we would have said 42 to 17 or something like that so um you know for them to you know adjust and adapt on what the offensive line situation has been this year you know even with the lindsley stuff the filer stuff obviously the slater injury um, I think has just been a great job and Zion Johnson mm-hmm. and Trey Pipkins just continue to do uh, what they've been doing all year and holding down the right side, which, like I said, um, on the award show we did yesterday has been the biggest upset of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So happy to see him back. I know people don't really like the Lombardi offense and I, I get why somebody wouldn't or anybody wouldn't. And there are definitely reasons not to. Today was kind of the reason why you run that particular offense, or at least why you have yeah. that conservative short part in there because there were several reps where Jamari Salyer is clearly beat by speed to the outside by Miles Garrett. And again, yeah, who isn't? But Herbert got the ball out several times very quickly right before he got there, right? There's six pressures allowed by Salyer, but zero quarterback hits. That's kind of why you also run this offense as well. Um, I did think they took, you know, a good um, number of deep-ish shots today, uh, all things considered. But yeah, things look pretty, pretty solid, and I'm happy with the way it all turned out. Yes. Oh, my shirt, by the way, this is from the team store. So it's a bunch of like patches and whatnot from. Yeah, I saw I, that. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's it's lovely. It's also slightly expensive, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, the team store has some great stuff. Uh, this mm-hmm. one that I'm wearing is like a retro yeah. neon sign mm-hmm. looking shirt. So I, I really like it. Um, yeah, I think, again, like people hate it when we, you know, give Lombardi credit and stuff like that, but. I don't think people understand how difficult what they're trying to do on offense is when you go without Keenan Allen, without Donald Parham, without Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley's in and out of the lineup, and Matt Filer has been bad, although today he was, he was good. Mm-hmm. And they're completely changing their rushing attack. Like They were mm-hmm. so heavily reliant on outside zone last year and kind of counters off of that. Um, but they're they're completely changing their running game on the fly, and it's working. So the coaching staff deserves a, and the offensive coaching staff deserves a lot of credit today <laughs> uh, for the way that they kind of attack this situation. And uh, like Tyler was saying, there was uh, I I really liked the blend of like quick passing concepts and mm-hmm. the play action deep shots and the and you know the, the fake toss plays that they ran today mm-hmm. were fantastic. I love that play design. So um, again, outside of two or three calls, I thought the offense was very clean today. You can see that Justin is really getting his confidence back after the injury. Um, still not there 100% as a runner. He did have the, the one first down, like Tyler mentioned. But 
Yeah. Um, you know, this is it, they the offense has really been able to build off of last week against the Texans. So mm-hmm. I think you're very you should be very encouraged as a Chargers fan. And I think, you know, we all are of the way the offense has responded after mm-hmm. the Jacksonville game. So we'll talk about the defense in a second here. But um, offensively, the Chargers did a lot of good things. Mike Williams had a huge day. Austin Eckler had a huge day. Joshua Kelly looked great. Um, wasn't a ton of targets to go around from the, the tight end room. Joshua Kelly was actually their second second leading receiver in terms of yards uh, hmm. with 33. So it was really basically like a running back day and a Mike Williams day. And it worked, you know, and the offensive staff, again, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, and, and I think what Justin Herbert just did really good at uh, in that second half was just, you know, I mean, there were some big throws, particularly in the first half, like the Mike Williams one that kind of got things going for the team. Um, but just kind of reading between the lines and, go, you know, getting what he was given, uh, I sort of, you could say, like on that uh, third and six to DeAndre Carter, um, obviously some of Joshua Kelly's touches, Mike Williams uh, as well, sort of picking up a couple conversions. So for me, I, I would just say, in a game where he was getting a decent amount of pressure on him, at least um, for him to have the pocket presence he had, like everyone's kind of said, um, I just thought was, was really good. And he's clearly one of those top five guys in terms of pocket presence and his stature. And he's only getting more comfortable uh, in that regard as today proved. Yeah, absolutely. So I I see a bunch of super chats today. Um, Always appreciate those. We'll get to some of those questions um for sure and then obviously mm-hmm. uh big shout out to tyler's dad with a big uh 50 super sticker so um this is definitely something i wanted to talk about today as well not necessarily really like harp on it as la chargers fan points out but you know the chargers had two false starts josh yeah. palmer dropped a pass at the one so it wasn't a 100 clean day but the the second false start on donald parham I really wish that Justin would have like realized that or that Jamari would have realized that Miles Garrett was off sides and you just snap the ball, take that defensive penalty, you know, see what happens. But um, that was poor execution for sure. And then, like I mentioned, you know, the the fullback dive really kind of killed the drive as well. So, um, again, not a 100 percent clean day, but feel like the offense took another step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, and it feels so easy. I'm about to sneeze. So I'm going to try to get through this as fast as I can. When Keenan <laughs> Allen comes back, I mean, he had two against the Browns last year. I think it was two slants as well. When he comes back, I feel like that just kind of fixes some of your fourth down issues. Mm-hmm. Little surprised they only went to Donald Parham once. They did it once. It didn't work. And then they're just like, eh, yeah, well, that's as much as we'll try that today. <laughs> um, a little surprised they didn't go to him more. But yeah, I think that'll – he just came back. And I don't know if they were just kind of testing him, seeing what's going on. But I feel like the red zone stuff will get figured out. Josh Palmer dropping that fourth, not fourth down, the third down pass or whatever it was. That was rough. I didn't, they didn't show replay. And for for whatever reason, the broadcast just hate showing. They just love telling us what happened rather than showing yeah. us, oh, there's the drop. Oh, there was yeah. the tight end wide open down the seam. Didn't get to see it. There was Donovan Peoples-Jones wide open in the middle. I'm like, okay, yeah, can we where? see what happened though? <laughs> <laughs> right. Why? Where? Who? And no, couldn't figure it out. So seemed like a drop. This is the funny thing with Palmer is, Watching him on tape last year, or even just watching him in, in the off season, watching him on tape last year. Oh, look at the routes. He's getting open. He's running so well. He's looking so good. But I guess the reason I thought they, he would have more or do more is, you know, he looked good, but they never actually threw to him as much as they did. And so for whatever reason, they're throwing to him now and he's either dropping the pass or the chemistry is funky. And I didn't see that on film with it. You don't throw it to him. I'm just going to assume that if you're wide open on this route, 
that you'll, you know, you throw it to him and he'll catch it. And that's yeah. great. But it seems like, you know, yeah, he's still getting open or things are still kind of working, but then there's the chemistry is off or he's, or he's just dropping the football. So I uh, didn't expect that. I guess it's kind of good. Like you can see where he can improve. And as soon as you connect those things together, there's room, but right now, yeah, it's a bit disappointing because it, it's costing the chargers a couple of times so far. Yeah, um, definitely see the route to where it can improve. I just, I mean, Josh Palmer just needs to get his game there. I mean, Herbert's, you know, in in sync with Mike Williams, in sync with Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett, and all these guys. And as long as Keenan Allen is out, probably going to be out next week as well. We we don't know yet, but Josh Palmer's probably going to play, you know, the same amount of snaps he's been playing. Uh, and so, you know, crucial drops. I, I mean, the Chargers just can't, can't afford... Um, the drops he's been giving them and also just, you know, some of the mistakes um, between him and Justin Herbert and the chemistry being off, like Tyler said, but um, called him one of my disappointments yesterday. And I, I don't think he's changed that perception for me. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not going to get easier for him to produce once Keaton does come back. I mean, Jared Everett wasn't super involved today as a pass catcher, um, but, you know, he's on a pace for a career high in targets. So, um, we'll see what happens with Josh Palmer. Wasn't a ton of production from him or DeAndre Carter, although DeAndre did have the one really crucial third down conversion um, early in the or probably midway through the fourth quarter, I want to say. Um, but it just was it was a huge Mike Williams day. Thirteen targets for him. Um, again, probably should have eleven catches for one hundred and seventy yards and, two, and one touchdown instead of ten for one thirty four. Uh, I forget exactly how long that that pass was, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, big day for him. Big day for Joshua Kelly on the on the in the pass, passing game. Austin Eckler four catches, twenty six yards. So um, no targets for Bandy, no targets for Jason Moore. But um, you know, I, you didn't really need them today. So um, mm-hmm. like I said, positive step in the right direction for the offense today. I, I, I believe I did say Mike Williams ten for one forty and two touchdowns in our bolt predictions. You uh, did, you and did. he one of the touchdowns You're got wrong. taken away. So. <laughs> You know, I mean, I was close. I mean, in terms of bold predictions, right? Like that's, uh, I think that's as close as we've gotten uh, in quite some time. So, yeah, makes sense. Um, all right, guys, any other takeaways from offense before we get to the the defensive struggles and a couple <laughs> positive standouts, I guess? Not really a take, just that the offense will have to score, score, score 30 every single week for this to be, uh, well, Maybe not against the Broncos, <laughs> seven, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they're doing uh, they're doing okay on offense right now, and I'm, I'm feeling good about the momentum. Yeah, uh, Russell Wilson had a pain injection shot uh, over the weekend, so we'll see what happens with the uh, the Broncos next week. Again, yeah. primetime I mean, Justin I, Herbert I, next I, week. Uh, that should be a game the Chargers win. Maybe with that pain injection, he'll finally see the KJ Hamler. You know, yeah. Maybe that fixes his eyes as well as his shoulder. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, okay, we'll talk about the defense. There are definitely a lot of uh, you know negative takeaways. I will say I was very critical of Christian Covington heading into today and the decision to play him over Otito Obonia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Christian Covington deserves a lot of credit for making that one specific play that gave the Chargers a lot of momentum um, and ended up, you know, the Chargers, I think, scored a field goal on that drive. So, uh, you know, Arjun was, uh, you know, man enough to give credit for a bad take. I'm mad enough to uh, give Christian Covington some some props today. So I don't think he had a great game by any means, but uh, showed up big in one of the biggest moments of the game. Um, I said on Twitter that I thought Christian Covington should have been cut in the second quarter. Um, <laughs> and and I don't, I still do believe that to be quite honest, but sure. he did get the fourth down stop tackle for loss, which obviously uh, came up really clutch for the team. Uh, and what a decision, I guess, to sub out Jerry Tillery for Christian Covington and, you know, yeah. still have it work. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, that was obviously a really great stop. They needed it at that moment. And uh, Christian Covington came through. Yeah, I, I agree. There's the one fourth down play. That was awesome. And the Chargers absolutely needed that. The Browns also ran for almost seven yards a carry. So yeah. n- not that that was all Christian Covington. Like, it's not just Christian <laughs> Covington's fault. And Otito wouldn't have fixed 213 yards on the ground from the Browns today. And that's with them getting away from the run. I'm actually surprised they didn't run it more yeah. than they did because they were getting whatever they wanted for the most part. And they're like, ah, well, yeah, Brissett can throw it. So whatever. If they want to keep doing that, that's totally fine. That's what the Raiders did. And they lost for that almost same reason. Uh, but yes, Christian Covington, uh, well done on that fourth down play. Uh, yay, <laughs> yay. Um, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of places where we could start with the defense after Christian Covington. Uh, wanted to make sure I got that out of the way. Um, this was definitely a game where you really, really felt the loss of Joey Bosa. Um, not as much against the run. I, I still think the Browns would be would still have been very effective on the ground, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Browns offensive line is one of the best in the business. Um, they hadn't really played like it until today. Um, but they just asserted their will uh, up, up front against the Chargers. And you could tell, man, it was just like, hey, we know you have Khalil Mack, but we're just going to dare anybody else to make a play. And uh, Arjun said Jerry Tilly had four pressures today. I certainly did not feel that. I felt like <laughs> one or two. Um, yeah, but they were chipping and double teaming Khalil Mack on whatever side he was going. Not all the time. Obviously you, tr- you trust Cedric Wills and, and Jack Conklin to be one-on-one against him. Um, but th- everybody else just got completely locked down, uh, on defense and again, it's, it's hard to stop, you know, rush the passer when you're getting gas on the ground as well. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the chargers went from one of the most effective pass rushing outputs last week against the Texans to one of their worst today um against the cleveland browns and you know that makes sense right you're talking about two of the three best offensive guards in the league you're talking about jack conklin who's a really good right tackle um but this is going to be the thing going forward i think from this defense they're going to play really well against some uh mediocre offensive lines and if they go up against a really good offensive line 
you're just you're not going to see a ton of pass rush production uh, at all because you know those units will know, hey, we can just double team Khalil Mack and chip him, and then nobody mm-hmm. else is going to be able to make a play. So it was a it was a rough look from a, a pass rushing perspective because Jacoby Brissett for the most part was just like chilling in the pocket, and then when the Chargers did get pressure, he they were not able to get him to the ground. Um, and Jeez. he, I mean, he had 30 yards on, on all scrambles and, uh, probably could have had more on that final interception. QB spy, put someone <laughs> on him. I mean, that one run where he just like was wearing number seven and he's looking like prime Michael Vick. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, please just bring him to the ground. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the run game just got gashed. Like, I mean, and, and we kind of knew that coming into the game, right? And it was just a matter of whether the Chargers were going to make enough stops or, in this case, I guess, whether the Browns were going to make enough mistakes like the Jacoby Brissett uh, interception in, in the red zone. Um, and so, you know, they did get a little bit lucky in that regard that you only had to put up 30 points uh, uh, with 213 yards of rushing this time. Uh, so for me... Um, no, definitely not the best day on the ground. And this, like last week, even where they did have that pass rushing output against the Texans, still, you know, it was one of those games where you miss Joey Bosa. Um, definitely think Tillery had an okay game. Uh, he did get that one pressure, I think, that forced, mm-hmm. um, forced Brissett to just throw it away, which was pretty crucial on that uh drive where I think he ended up throwing the interception. Um, so I, I believe that was the drive could be wrong on that though um but overall pretty good game for uh i was about to say pretty good game for the defensive line no it wasn't a good game for the defensive line uh but no it just i mean they got lucky on a couple plays but overall still some of the same problems we were talking about last year but i think we all went into this game knowing that they were not going to survive that bron that browns offensive line uh in general Mm -hmm. especially without joey bozo uh definitely still need more from Kyle Van Noy from Chris Rump, uh, anything, if you can get it, um, because right now that pass rushing situation just seems untenable to wait till potentially San Francisco, maybe if Joey Bosa can come back by then. But overall, um, I guess the schedule definitely gets a little bit easier here from a running perspective uh, for the Chargers and, and waiting for Bosa to get back, but still some structural issues that they got to fix. Yeah, happy to not see Javante Williams on the schedule next week because 100%, that would have, 100%. An, another unfun one for sure. The defense was actually pretty bad today. Like I think for the most part, yeah, yeah they only held him to twenty eight. Browns they, they missed two field so goals. Much. Yeah, they missed two field goals in the red zone. Yeah, it was it was so much worse. I felt like, and again, I, I can't believe the Browns didn't score more because it really felt like they were, and they did. They didn't. I don't know. I guess yay, but. There was no pass rush. Like I understand the Browns beating up the Chargers in the run game. I we all kind of expected that. Yeah. Um, we had an over under of like 150 yards, and even <laughs> that felt modest. So them getting 213 and like 175 of that from you know the two running backs, fine. But they had what? What was the answer? What What did Staley or what did the defense call or do that other than other than some good stops and like Christian Covington's fourth down stop and all that sort of stuff? Outside of a couple of guys popping up here and there, what did the defense do to really stop the Browns? Nothing. There was nothing that said, "Okay, schematically we have this figured out. This is how we stopped the Browns today," or we were able to rotate different players in. This is how we did it. Or we simulated this sort of pressure. 
this is how we did it. This is the exotic looks look that we gave, and it forced him to do this or whatever. No, it was literally just Jacoby Brissett throwing to Alohi Gilman, who was in there because Mr. Adderley got benched for I'm honestly surprised that he did. Defense was not good. Uh, I'm happy the Chargers escaped with a win, but to me, like this was a pretty rough look from the defense because you have, you know, listen to, to unofficial. Tillery and Mac got four pressures each. I don't feel that at all. Although we'll have to we'll have to distinguish between which ones were earned and won versus somebody held the ball on too long, somebody scrambled. Because like yeah. Chris Rump finished with one pressure, but I'm pretty confident that's the one where he missed the sack um, because Percet held onto the ball for too long or whatever, and then he bailed out of it. Um, so Chris Rump, Kyle Van Noy, one pressure combined. Chris Rump just had the one. Morgan Fox had another two. That seems to be his thing. He said he's always had two or more in every mm-hmm. game this year. That's great. Um, but otherwise, like the pass rush didn't work. All of Staley's guys didn't work. They weren't covering. Derwin had a bad game. Mac was mostly non-existent. Um, until sort of closer to the end, it was just bad. The guys you brought, like Staley, this this was rough. This was wa- rough to watch Brandon Staley with almost everything he could possibly want out of his defense, outside of Joy Bosa, who is a top five defensive end in the league. So that that is huge, or edge rusher, excuse me. To watch this defense basically get moved up and down the field, and they just luck themselves to a win. And yeah. Staley thinking he has to go for it on fourth down because his, he does not trust his defense, like him. And his defense to even hold Jacoby Brissett, it's a rough look. So I, I again, I, I they won. That's awesome. People are going to say, "Oh, well, it'll be quiet because they won." But like, we do have to talk about the fact that this defense really got beat up pretty bad today, and there really wasn't anything that they did that I thought was like, "Oh, yeah, look at Staley did that to stop the offense today." It really just seemed like the Browns just sometimes didn't execute, and therefore they held them to twenty-eight. So. Definitely worrisome. I hate to be a Debbie Downer after they win, or yeah, after the Chargers win, but I do want to talk about it, and I don't want to forget what happened today as they move through the next yeah. few weeks where they're really not playing that great of teams. No, absolutely. This is you know definitely uh, a stretch of games where the Chargers defense needs to figure out. I don't want to say figure out their identity, but like figure out who besides you know the usual suspects can play, right? Because if if you get a, a pretty bad game by Derwin standards and pretty bad game by Khalil Mack standards. They don't really have those other guys to step up and make those plays consistently and really be like a star. So when things are going well, you feel like Brandon Staley's plans are working, you know, like last week in the first half and the fourth quarter against the Texans, you're like, okay, I understand this vision. This is working. Um, But today when the defense is just, you know, it's getting gashed left and right. And, they officially have a linebacker and a safety problem. Like I'm ready to make that statement after today. Um, Drew Tranquil is fine, but you know he's not just he's not the the physical presence that I think that you need to run this kind of defense. And Kenneth Murray is not seeing things very well. They're trying to run blitz him all the time, and combining that with a safety room that just is either limited athletically or limited with their vision or limited with their, um, you know, tackling ability. Like I don't feel good about where the safety room behind Derwin James is at, at all. And, and that's with it. Lohi Gilman. I mean, he was gifted it. Right. But you know, he made a play at the end and he deserves credit for that. But as soon as Nick Chubb got to the second level on any run, I'm just like, this is, this is a 12 yard run. Like this is going to be an explosive play because they just don't have that 
presence back there that they needed. And Kaiser White was not a great linebacker, but he was really good and they miss him. They do. And I know people don't like it when we kind of harp on these decisions that are impacting here, but um, I think they need to lean into Troy reader. I, I don't trust him 100% as like linebacker one, but I trust the way that he read things. I trust the way that he is a, a physical presence. So I think they need to lean in a little bit more and give Troy reader a chance. And frankly, man, like just play JT Woods. Like at least he's an athlete. At least he can yeah. potentially give you some upside back there. I just, I, if you don't trust Nas to play over a low he Gilman, like at least let JT Woods get some reps again, not asking him to be safety too, not asking him to play a hundred percent of the snaps, but you have to let your guy develop. If you don't trust Nas to play in this kind of role in this kind of game, then just give JT a chance, man, and, and let yeah. him get some reps. I'm just, I, I'm concerned about the linebackers in safety room outside of uh, Drew Trangle being solid and Derwin obviously being who he is, but he had a bad game today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, linebacker and safety room has been the concern, and I think it's going to continue to be the concern, but I think we're going around the elephant in the room here. Uh, JC Jackson. Uh, that sure. was a really bad. Uh, and I'm Tyler talked about him in his disappointments from yesterday. Um, I mean, looking just at the numbers here, David Njoku, Mari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones combined for 214 yards. I don't have PFF right in front of me, but if I had to go from the eye test, I would say JC Jackson was probably responsible for about half of that. Um, and so for me, just seeing him being a step slow, like we've been talking about him getting his feet back from under him and like getting back to that level. Uh, he got pretty much ran by by David Njoku, who is not uh, is not Taron Waller, is not Travis Kelsey uh, in terms of being an athletic specimen. And you should really be getting blown up like that by tight ends anyway. Um, I, I think that this is like panic button territory, especially because uh, Asante Samuel Jr. did not have the best game either today. Michael Davis, I mean, didn't get a whole lot of run, but not playing too well either. I just, I don't know how this defense functions the rest of the year if this truly is J.C. Jackson's level and he doesn't because the Chargers are going to have to win every game 30 to 28 or, you know, whatever it is, 35 to 32 if this is really the level you're going to get from J.C. the rest of the year because then teams are just going to go, okay, well, we can throw our wide receiver one against J.C. Jackson and, and have a decent amount of success. Uh, like the Browns did with Amari Cooper today, who looked like, you know, he teleported back to like his prime in in <laughs> Oakland or yeah. Dallas, wherever you want to put it. Because, um, I mean, he was really good today. Donovan Peoples-Jones looked like Donovan Peoples-Julio Jones. Like, I mean, <laughs> it, it was just nice. it, yeah. it was just really tough uh, for, for JC, really for the whole secondary, like everyone said. But um, I, I think as the season kind of goes along here, it, it just the chargers are going to need someone. I mean, they especially play like some pretty decent receiver groups, at least in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, not any, you know, Debo Samuel against the Niners. Then you have the Drake London game of Falcons, uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf eventually against mm-hmm. the Seahawks with a revived Geno Smith. Um, if you are going to have JCB this level where he just looks a step slow and is getting consistently burnt, I just I don't know how the defense is going to work the rest of the year. Yeah, JC, you know, 
Everett O'Neill in the chat points out. JC looked fine in training camp. He should be fine later. I think there's definitely some some truth to that. I think this is kind of the worst, I think. I said, hopefully. I say with a lot of optimism. <laughs> I think this is the worst of yeah. it. We'll see from JC because he, he literally is not 100%. So hopefully things do get better. I wish there was more info about what his injury... I'm not have to, you have not have to call it an injury, right? Like it's not a wound with a healing thing. It's an injury that's currently <laughs> yeah. keeping him from being his, you know, 100% self. But yeah, it was rough. Um, I believe it was uh, Jordan who covers the Texans. I can't remember for what specific channel. Um, uh, Jordan Pun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, he covers the Texans for uh, believe or there believe you go. or however you want to say it. Yeah, he pointed out that Nico Collins was open all game long against J.C. Jackson, and we really only saw like the one big pass, but that was kind of on to see your utterly, and then a couple of things here and there from J.C., including the missed tackle, but we didn't really see him get targeted over and over and over again and give up as many yards. Um, yeah. This time, it yeah, he was, and not that Amari Cooper is a bad receiver by any means, but it was rough uh, because there was no real excuse for J.C. Jackson in that particular scenario. I will say I do agree with some other people in the chat that everyone on defense in the secondary had a bad day. So I don't know if they're just being taught incorrectly, schemed wrong or what, because it shouldn't be this difficult for this many, I would think, talented guys. So maybe it's also a scheme thing. But I think next week is that week where I will officially hit the panic button if JC is having another rough game. Not that he's not allowed to lose, you know, Jerry Judy catches a deep pass for 40 yards shit does happen but if it looks like yeah. they're targeting like they targeted jc jackson today and they felt no problem doing that again like they have a great rushing attack and they felt okay throwing at jc jackson today rather than opting to go to the ground because it wasn't super hot so if next week yeah. things don't look so good then yeah i've got a i'll, I'll hit the panic button next week yeah and I mean, it, it, it's Jacoby Brissett, of all people, deciding to consistently Absolutely. throw at J.C. Jackson, right? Like, which is just, if the Browns played the Patriots last year, like, to me, that's not something that would have happened, right? Like, so for me, uh, or if any team, you know, played the Patriots, J.C. Jackson was, you know, on an island, like, or he was intercepting a pass, right? So um, just definitely a concerning change there uh, in terms of how it, it feels like opposing offenses are now starting to look at that weakness. Yeah, I will say definitely not a great game at all by any means. I, I'm hopeful that the like the one pass breakup and he had another good, uh, you know, uh, he didn't like defend the pass, but he was in really good position later in the fourth quarter. I'm hopeful that that's kind of a sign of things to come and and mm-hmm. we'll see if it is. Um, he's going to get a lot of Cortland Sutton next week. We'll see if, if Russ is able to get him the ball. Um, but then the week after that, it's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, they get the bye, right? Then they play the Falcons. You're talking about Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And the week after that, it's the Niners with Debo and Brandon Ayuk. And, like, this mm-hmm. is not going to get any easier for, for J.C. Jackson. So, again, hopeful that this is the end of this game for J.C. is, is something mm-hmm. he can build on. Um, otherwise the chargers might have to start making, uh, some adjustments there. I think it's, I think the defense overall is in a better spot than where they were at last year, but it's going to be difficult for them against offenses who are well-oiled machines like the Browns are today. And, um, if that scheme, I don't really know if that's the talent, you know, we'll have to go back and watch the film, but, um, they'll play well against worst offenses, right? I think we can, we can comfortably say that. You know, it just feels like they're a middle pack 
defense at this point without Joey Bosa. And it's better than last year, but that's not what they were obviously hoping for. Any of us were hoping for mm-hmm. after you signed JC, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, trade for the Cleo Mac, all this other stuff. So um, hopefully they're able to rebound because the end of the game sequences for them were at least better than the first half. Yeah. Kind of. I, I don't I Yeah. <laughs> I just, I got to see something like shut, shut down. Why the chiefs were the one that they could shut down is beyond yeah. me. I think it's just it's perfect. Well, Joey Bosa, again, that does help quite a bit with the pass rush they had. And I don't know. I'm just a little worried that this is, like this is what we got today against again a very elite rushing attack, and Jacoby Brissett. Like this is, this is what we had to like just look like I'm rewatch the game. Like what a part, what bit of this feels good? I don't, I don't really know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it just and feels as, like they don't like you said they don't really have like what what kind of defense is this? Is it a like the Chiefs? Okay, I don't think the Chiefs have a good defense. I haven't thought they had a good defense for years but they know exactly what their identity is and they will take the football away and put pressure on you. Like even though they'll get killed in some games and the chargers have made them pay, they have an identity. I don't really know what the chargers identity is outside of, we paid a lot of players and sometimes they're better than your offense. And I just, I don't know. I got to see something from this team from this defense that like shows that they have this identity. Are they, I don't know. Because I feel like the, like the Ravens against the Chargers last year. I kind of knew what their identity was. Uh, I know what Gus Bradley's identity is, <laughs> but I don't. I don't really know what a Brandon Staley yeah. defense currently looks like, other than one that invites the run, gets killed by it, and currently is getting torched in the secondary. So, I don't know. Yeah, there's just a there's there's a lack of cohesion right now, and um, you know, in the first game against the Raiders, in the second game against the Chiefs, you you felt that there was a cohesive plan right like the defensive line was playing really well again you don't have joey bosa now i understand that but you know pressure and coverages were working for the most part really well they were stopping the run um making plays on the ball and now it just feels like they've been like almost in scramble mode to just try and like survive you know alex used that word survive against the run in our preview and it just kind of felt like that's what was happening today it was it was not like we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try and impose our will. We're just going to try and like not, not have 42 points hung on us. And fortunately that uh, was the case, I guess. Uh, So Brandon Staley has spoken to the media. Um, He has made a statement on their decision-making for the fourth down. Um, This is what Nick Cothrell of uh, sports illustrated. He tweeted out. uh, It looks like just a screenshot of his notes app. He's uh, Brandon said, said, quote, we believe in our process. We believe in our players on both sides. We were coming out here on the road to win this game, not kick it and then go hope to win. I believed our defense would get a stop if we didn't make it because I knew that we could cover them. You got to live with it when it doesn't go down. We went for it on the final on the first drive and it didn't go down. And we were able to we were willing to live with that. But we know what that means to our group by playing that way. There's no way I was taking our offense off the field at the end of the game. End quote. Okay. Fourth and goal to Cleveland nine field goal. Fourth and goal to Cleveland seven field goal. Like I don't really. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Where's the next one? Uh, fourth and seven at the Cleveland nine field goal. Like are we sure? Are we sure that we, was the plan? We believe in the process of fullback dive with Xander Horbath. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, I don't hate the fullback dive. It had it worked the first week. 
you know, but I don't really buy that. Like, yeah, we were going to win on the road and take what's ours. And I believe our guys can cover despite the fact that they literally were not the entire game. Um, I mean, also, did. also that like putting the ball in the hands of your offense when you kicked three field goals with a guy who wasn't even on the Chargers last week, <laughs> like yeah. you know, and and yeah. you know, willingly again, not that they were like fifty yarders or anything, but um, still, like, yeah, on that last one where they kicked the field goal and they went up, was it twenty seven? What was the last field goal they ended up kicking, or prior uh, the, the second to last one? Oh good. The, With the one that Tyler said where they were like at the seven yard line and they kicked the field goal from there. Yeah, there was one from the seven, the second to last one, and then there mm-hmm. was the one from the nine. Yeah. And of course, the one before that was from the, I can't find it. Yeah. So, I mean, as much Are you as talking I, about the field goal when they, when they got up 30 28. Maybe I am thinking of that one. Um, but either way, just like it, like Tyler said, getting inside the 10 yard line twice and deciding to yeah. put the, you know, ball at the feet of Taylor Bertolette when you want to put the ball in the hands of your <laughs> offense. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, shout out to Taylor Bertolette, man. He looked really Absolutely. good. Absolutely. had some great kicks. Absolutely. I, he I he was... doesn't get he doesn't get his name added to the long list of Caleb Sturgis and Nick Rose and yeah. everyone else. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, congrats to him. Absolutely. Uh, kicked some great kicks. I, I like weirdly was not panicked when he was uh, heading out there. So that's good. <laughs> that's because he kicked from the nine. <laughs> I know. I'm just, but still, man, like, bro, like Alex bro. just listed off all of these kickers who have come out and missed in those situations. Bro, I, I saw Nick Rose kick against the Jets once, and I think he kicked like one from the 15, and it went like all the way. To, <laughs> it, it went all the way to Lincoln Financial Field. Like, so I mean, like. Oh, oh my, like shout out to him, man. He showed up. I like, I saw his uh, kicking percentage from like the CFL and the AAF and I'm like, this guy, like really, what are we doing? Uh, but he was hundred percent on the day. So shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the, the situation. So the chargers on their last field goal, um, they get to the Cleveland 12 yard line. Um, it was Austin Eckler left guard towards the left guard for two yards. Um, then that short pass to Austin Eckler. So then they had third and seven. That's when Palmer had that drop that went off of his uh, chest plate, which is a difficult, difficult catch for sure. Um, but then they kicked that field goal from the Cleveland nine yard line. So it was a 27 yard field goal. I don't know if that's the one you were talking about, but it, that was their last. Yeah, field goal. It, it might be that one, but like, I don't know. Him talking about process is just funny to me when it's just like, okay, well, if you don't make that fourth down, then your process is hoping that Cade York misses a 54 yarder, right? Yeah. Like same if, you know, which I mean, isn't that much different than punting in that situation and still making yeah. him go more yards with no timeouts. Like, yeah. So know. second, the second to last field goal, sorry, was when they got up 27, 21, um, they get to the, they get first and goal at the Browns six yard line. Um, Joshua Kelly run for two yards. So second and goal from the four. That's when Donald Parham had that false start. Um, then they had second and nine or second and goal at the nine. Justin Herbert incomplete pass to Gerald Everett. Um, I forget which pass that was exactly. Um, then third and goal at the nine again. That's when they passed it short to DeAndre Carter. Um, and Greg Newsom made a really good tackle. And then they kicked a 25 yard field goal at the Browns seven yard line. So take the points next week, man, uh, against the Broncos get to 15. Uh, that's gotta be the magic number, right? 
Where the Broncos currently <laughs> at right now? That's what they're currently averaging, 15 yeah. points a game. <laughs> so let's just get to 15 and we got this. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, J- uh, Brandon Staley was also asked about uh, J.C. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and here was his quote about J.C. He said he was up and down. There were some good moments and there were some moments he needs to be a lot better. He needs to get in his comfort zone from a fundamental standpoint. And that's still a work in progress. We know he's the man for the job. Tariq Woolen is a fundamentals in progress, work in progress guy. For the- <laughs> and he's yeah. balling, he's played really well. He's playing great. I don't think paying someone $16.5 million a year is a fundamentals work in progress guy. Yeah. Because you wanted him. So like you knew that it should fit. So right. him not getting it, into it, a fundamental yeah. comfort zone is an odd thing to say. Yeah, it would have been one thing if he said, hey, like he's still working yeah. back his conditioning, like he's still getting it back there. But being like, oh, he does coverage fundamentally wrong is one way to kind of throw J.C. Jackson under the bus. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he has there... defended him the last couple of weeks. But this week, yeah, I guess I, I'm at least glad he did say like, oh, it wasn't it was a low heat Gilman's fault or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I felt like JC was taking a couple chances early and then it yeah. didn't go his way. And it was like, okay, I'm just going to play off coverage. We'll see what yeah. happens and mm-hmm. um, make some plays on the ball. So, um, again, if he's able to continue to get healthy, maybe he's able to, you know, play a little bit more physically. But it was it was difficult for me to watch, like, the Browns just be really physical with the Chargers receivers, get away with some contact. Oh. They had some penalties for sure. And then the Chargers were just – playing off coverage like the whole game i like i i mm-hmm. hope that again that's something that can change when jc gets fully healthy yeah. and maybe builds mm-hmm. off of this is get him at the line of scrimmage let him be physical a little bit more often and um you know be disruptive as opposed to just kind of again like surviving out there and, and it felt like when the chargers kind of did let jc be physical at times that not that it worked all the time but like he had that big third down stop on uh amari cooper uh that one uh, that one pass breakup so like feed more into that as opposed to like the playing off coverage and then expecting JC who like clearly isn't hundred percent to like work himself athletically, like back into the play, um, you know, whether it's versus Njoku or, or Cooper, or, like in this game. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think the off coverage combined with the fact that, you know, uh, I mean, it's no secret that JC Jackson's not near hundred percent right now. Um, just definitely two factors that contributed. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, we'll get into some, we'll, we'll end the conversation today with some positive takeaways as we always do uh, giving out some game balls and we'll have some final thoughts uh, as we uh, transition into getting ready for Monday night football next week against the Broncos. So um, Tyler, we'll start with you, man. Who gets your uh, game ball for today? Uh, Mike Williams. I don't know if I gave it to him last week or not, but I just really think this was a really, really nice string of games for him now where he won in a variety of ways. It was a shallow crosser. It was a deep ball. It should have been another one for a touchdown. It was a curl rod. It, w- it was whatever. Um, yes, he did go completely horizontal on one second down reception. Yeah, I was a little bit worried when he caught that one pass and was just kind of waving it like this in the air for whatever reason. <laughs> but it was like, like, this, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. But for him to be, I think it was 13, 14. So 13 targets. 10 of them catches 134 yards again should have been a big touchdown as well. Mm-hmm. Like that's wide receiver one stuff. Like the way they were able to just feed him the football and these guys that I thought, were, you know, Cleveland's got good corners. They had, didn't really have much of an answer for him for the most part. So really, really solid from him. A second week in a row, more impressive than last week because 
doing it once is is cool, but that's kind of a fluke. Do it twice now. Technically, it's his third time this season, but twice in a row. Now you're a consistent, well, hopefully a consistent wide receiver. And that's huge heading into a game against Denver next week. Yeah, you really you could really tell today that Justin just a trusted himself, but also trusted Mike to go make these plays. I mean, there was the one back shoulder fade that they threw that was fantastic. You know, obviously the the couple jump balls. Um, so Mike had a great game for sure. Um, Alex, your game ball of the day is who? Uh, has to go to Austin Eckler, uh, in my opinion. I mean, just this is, you know, even with last week against Houston, to me, this is the most decisive where he just put his foot in the ground, followed his direction, and, you know, it just felt like he a uh, way more decisive performance than any of the past three, four weeks. Um, I think, yeah, stats from week one to three, zero touchdowns, week four and five, five touchdowns now. Um, so Austin Eckler definitely rising to the occasion. Uh, I think Arjun will temporarily say that he is not washed for the time <laughs> being. Uh, we'll all have our fun with that. But this offense, especially without Keenan Allen, uh, especially with the problems they have, you know, along the offensive line with no Slater uh, and, you know, all the other kind of deficiencies that we've talked about with Lombardi and decision making for him to have the great game that he had and, and really put the team on his back in spite of all that. Um, I just thought it was really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Both uh, very deserving. You know, the Chargers have needed um, those two players to step up without Keenan Allen, and he has absolutely done that, uh, or they have absolutely done that, I should say, uh, so far. So my game ball, I mean, shocker, it's going to be the offensive line. I think this unit has been Mm -hmm. definitely a work in progress over the start of the season. I mean, you lose Slater, you lose Lindsay. It's been, it was a slog for a while, for a long time. And so uh, this is back-to-back weeks where I felt like the offensive line has really, uh, taken some steps forward and um, I'm so glad that Trey Pipkins is okay I thought that was Ooh. definitely going to be a season-ending injury watching that replay um, but you know you're talking about a unit that blocked for you know Austin Eckler career day on the ground Joshua Kelly his best game since his first game as a rookie um, you know they were fantastic in the run game um, they only allowed, I, I think the total is 10 pressures, if I'm not mistaken, as a whole unit. Um, we'll see if that changes, right? But zero hits on Justin Herbert allowed, zero sacks on Justin Herbert allowed from the offensive line. So um, this was a really good game from them. They get an opportunity to to continue to bounce back and string these performances together. Um, I was definitely concerned about this game, man. I mean, Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. Jadavion Clowney, that's as good as a duo as it gets. Um, but this offensive line is is stepping up for sure, and they deserve a lot of credit. And it's been a, a true pleasure to watch Jamari Sawyer, Trey Pipkin, Zion mm-hmm. Johnson, these three young guys come in and really elevate their performances in, in games where the Chargers have absolutely needed them to. Uh, yeah. Chargers game ball to Taylor Bertolette and Cade York for different <laughs> And Locusts. And, and Locusts. Midges. Midges. <laughs> Are they just like big mosquitoes? I'm confused. I, I thought it was like the cicadas thing, like where they come out like every 17 years or something, because this is like they come out once a year in Cleveland. I don't know. That's that's what they said. They're like midges. I don't know. I mean, it's, this is every October, apparently, in Cleveland, as oh. if there's more of a reason to not go to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, Chargers oh. social media team throwing shade at Ohio. And they ended up being <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> okay, so Thomas Martinez says mosquitoes that don't bite. I thought I saw that they did bite, but. Mm. um either way the chargers had that joke about ohio yesterday 
uh, on social <laughs> media, and there were a lot of people upset about that, including yes. people. Oh, like, I, I thought it was including great. Chargers fans. I thought it was hilarious, um, especially because I... Brandon Staley is from Ohio. Like, <laughs> this is it was hilarious timing. I think I, I thought that I accidentally slept and like overtook the Chargers account by accident. <laughs> 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 Was it Minnesota or or uh, somewhere or Cincinnati, Cincinnati that you had the big uh, big rant last year? Minnesota and Cincinnati, <laughs> really anywhere Midwest. <laughs> big fan of the Midwest. Uh, you know, it was it was funny. Um, big lots of Midwest more guy. Today. Big Midwest guy. <laughs> oh man, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right, we'll uh, wrap up today's show. Alex, uh, any final thoughts, man? um got the win as chaotic as it looked as it always looks for the chargers um hopefully everyone rests up healthy for next week uh and we go into a big monday night football divisional game uh so i mean that's gonna be really fun uh next week and i can't wait to stay up till 2 a.m doing the podcast again uh so that'll be great to get another primetime game in there yeah, uh, a win is a win, uh, but my blood pressure was also pretty high throughout the end of that one. I can't right. wait to be in class until 7.30 on Monday and then join you guys at some point. So maybe all the stress from the end of this game, I'll be able to avoid that uh, for the most part next week. And then I'll just see what happens. We'll see how many points the Broncos have scored. Uh, hopefully it's not too many. Uh, so I take it you sold the tickets for, for Monday night? Not yet. Okay. Oh, wait, it's in, it's in SoFi? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's okay. No, if it were a game in Denver, I think you could chalk up an L right now because <laughs> shit always happens there. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, obviously the this game, uh, it wore me out, man. That's that was a very stressful moment. I was uh, in a, a local sports bar here with a bunch of, I think it was like probably 45, 50 Chargers fans watching the game, and um, you know, Alohi Gilman gets that interception and all of us are going crazy. You know, somebody started chanting a, uh, let's go chargers chant. And, uh, uh <laughs> nice, uh, Ben Simmons passing on a wide open layup comment here for the, the audio audience. But, um, yeah, man, it, it just, it's a very strange feeling still, even after like processing it live here with you guys, like, I still feel like they lost, even though they won. Um, but you know, this is, this is the name of the game. Sometimes in the NFL, this is an opportunity for the chargers to string together some wins, potentially get back on track. Um, you know, they're three and two CBS kept on putting that graphic up of teams who are three and two have like a 49 chance of making the playoffs teams who are two and three have like a 22% chance. So, hmm. um, this is, this is a big opportunity for the chargers to, you know, string these performances together and, um build off of this at, at least on offense we'll see what happens on defense they definitely need to figure it out but um overall definitely some positive takeaways uh as they you know head into uh, a very manageable stretch before the bye mm -hmm. so uh appreciate everybody showing up tonight uh or tonight this afternoon i guess it's tonight for some people depending where you're at um you know 2 1 30 in the afternoon so had a great time with the chat tonight. Shout out to the Central Valley Diehard Bolt Club. Appreciated the uh, hospitality today. Uh, we'll see you guys later on. I'm going to be out of town actually this whole week. So it is going to be Alex and Tyler and Arjun kind of uh, handling the uh, preparation for the Seahawks game. So uh, definitely tune in for that. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys on Monday. Uh, Tyler, Alex, and Arjun, we'll see you guys on uh, Tuesday. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? 
what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.